Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language. It is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Got a new job this week. Yes, I'm a male stripper. Male stripper extraordinaire. I'm kind of a beginner, but I think I got the ropes pretty quick. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what's your uh, stage name? Hot Pocket. Yes. And where are you working at? At a strip club. I uh, mm-hmm. thought we covered that, but it's, um, it's at a truck stop slash rest stop slash Hardee's. Awesome. Slash Taco Bell slash Strip Club. Slash. And um, there's other strippers there. Mm-hmm. Usually. Few there's, women. There's there's a lot. Uh, majority is women. I'm the only man. Uh, uh, um, for a male-dominated group mm-hmm. of pairs that come in and partake in your said stripping. My hot pockery. Yes. And... Um, I made a friend with a stripper there. Um, I don't know her name, but her stage name is Exit Wound. Mm. She has fresh stitches. So did she recently change her name to Exit Wound? Uh, no, I, I, I think it's just so she's gangster. She she had her appendix taken out. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, so, yeah. Exit Wound. And still showed up. God bless it. Mm-hmm. That's a worker. Yeah. So most of them, after a set, they make about about a hundred dollars worth of fives and ones. Mm-hmm. Um, guess how much I made? What'd you make, honey? Thirty-seven cents. They threw it at me. It kind of hurt. Oh. And I think I have pink eye. Where they're like, "Welcoming to the stage, a new one for you guys." Hot pocket. He's hot on the outside and cold as ice on the inside. Pretty much like a hot pocket when yeah. you cook it in the microwave. Yeah. Yeah. Seems fitting. And I come out and dance to Winger 17. She's only 17. Now, granted, it says she's only 17, but I work it. I'm sure you do. So there's uh, Snuggle Bunny Jones and Hot Pocket. It's always said like that? Yes. You can't just say Hot Pocket. No, no. no. Hot Pocket. And, um... Going to the gym with our kid and everything. So maybe by this time next year, lean pocket. Let's keep our fingers crossed on that one. We're, mm. we're, I mean, it's not set in stone. You might get 38 cents for that. God, I mean, let's God not. willing. Let's not go crazy. Let's not go crazy. We're, we're kind of shooting for the moon here. You know, let's, you know, shoot for the moon and lean on the stars. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, tell us about your dance that you give when you go out like are you seductive oh no no it's called it's called the vase so what i do is i give a give a lucky fella a lap dance Uh but what it is is i'm wearing dickies pants Uh and no underwear 
And all I do is bend over and put my ass in his face. And you can see the crack of my ass. That's the vase oh. that you put flowers in. So, commando. Or, or, or some people call it a coin slot. I prefer coin slot. Yeah. And he's like, ooh, what kind of hot pocket are you? Like the pepperoni garlic butter? And I'm like, broccoli and cheese. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> I think that's more of the lean pocket. And he hit me in the face. Ah, that's what that bruise is from. And what he did, though, it was a $10 punch. Did you get $10? No, he took a roll of quarters and he wrapped it up in his hands. (laughs) And he really (laughs) fucking hit me. You know me, customer service. I'm like, oh, they can't all be takers. And And then I went in the back and cried. And you've kept your job there? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. They're inviting you back for another week? Yeah, I have this thing I'm going to do when Winger's playing, because why wouldn't it? And what I'm going to do is, first of all, I have to break into a barbershop. That's the first, that's part one. You have to. Uh, Yeah. Why? Or snatch and grab. What I want to do is, while I'm dancing with my big fat beer belly and my chesticles, out rocking, they'll have tassels. Rocking chesticles. I don't. I didn't know if you knew that there, there, there'll be tassels on there, like with pasty tassels. Yeah, I'm oh. not showing. I have dignity. I will not <laughs> show my nips. <laughs> I'm sorry, can you? <laughs> so what I'm going to do is take combs <laughs> and throw them at the audience. And then take that blue liquid that they soak in and pour it all over myself. It's called the Hot Pocket Truffle. I can't. Reaching those pockets, boys. Those hot pockets. I call this move the ham and cheese. Remember when, oh. I, remember when I came home and smelled like the water you boil hot dogs in? Hot dog water soup? <laughs> it's a rare occasion when we both get... <laughs> oh my god, my stomach hurts. I've been doing it for a week. I got me two satisfied customers. <laughs> Oh, who are your customers that you're satisfying? <laughs> Steve and Steve. They sit together. <laughs> but they spell their name different. <laughs> they say they do. I don't know how. How do you spell Steve different than Steve? They won't tell me. <laughs> oh my god. But they pour hot wax on my coin slot and they burn the hair. Your face. Or is that like they call it my tail? <laughs> a little hairy. Oh my god. Oh. Well, how do you spell your name? Is like, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> oh, oh, my stomach hurts. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Martinis in the Macabre. I call it the Barbersaw Ball Dance. <laughs> the podcast 
where we drunkenly discuss <laughs> Mormon murders in the streets of mayhem. <laughs> Guess how long my dance is? A minute twenty-five. <laughs> After that, I gotta go. How many times have you cried this week, Billy? <laughs> the same number of cents I got. <coughs> 37. Oh my god, I swear I'm not a smoker. But <laughs> Just can't wait till Mother's Day. Oh. It's gonna be big. It's gonna be a huge turnout. What's cool is in the locker room, we call it the locker room. It's the bathroom. <laughs> Exit wound has helped me a lot. <laughs> she should be a mess. I'm like, how do I do better? What am I doing wrong? And she's like, when I take my tampon out, it looks like a di- stick of dynamite. And I'm like, what? How does that fucking help me at all? <laughs> oh my god, I can't. I can't. <laughs> oh, my stomach hurts so bad. Where else... Can you get a burger and fries, fill up that diesel engine, and have Hot Pocket take <laughs> you for a fucking ride? Oh my god, yeah, I can't. Shut up, Billy. <laughs> Just shut up. Call me Hot Pocket. Shut up. <laughs> I'm like, do you want to dance? I'm not calling you that. And they're like, I don't want to dance. And, I, and I'm like, spit in my mouth. And they're like, I don't want to do that. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> I'll stop. You look like you're about to vomit. <laughs> okay. Oh, give me a minute. Ooh. You finish the intro. We're here. We made it. Sure. That's it. I'm Hot Pocket. <laughs> For a minute and 25 seconds, I'm like, shut up. Where the fuck you want me to be? I got bills to pay. I'm centering myself. I'm Erica. And I'm joined by my husband and co host, Billy. I don't even get an employee discount. I got to pay full price for those hot dogs that are on those rollers at the gas station. Bullshit. Tell you what. They don't even tell you what's chorizo or what's regular or what's a breakfast one because they'll serve the breakfast one at eight o'clock at night. Shut Trust up, me, Billy. I fucking know. Shut up. Just shut up. It's either this ain't cooked all the way or this is cooked way too much. Oh. Okay. That needed a big old fucking drink. So. Let me say it again, since I was probably misunderstood. It's Martinez Macabre, America, that's Billy, and we're here to talk about bad shit. <laughs> oh, we just did. <coughs> All right, thanks, guys. Good night. Oh, my God, we're like 12 minutes in. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, we really need to get to this. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is probably the best opener we've probably ever had in all the years we've done this show. In all seriousness, Billy did start a new job this week. I did get a new job. He is not Hot Pocket. Yet. Yet. Fingers crossed on that one. One can dream. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you doing now, hun? I work for a beer distributor. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still kind of in the game, but not, you know, so... 
Doing um, a lot of traveling, a lot of driving. I do. I drive all over the state, and I put I East Central Indiana. Watch out! I put away beer orders for big stores, um, big box stores, not liquor stores. I don't mess with them. Mm-hmm. But um, I put away orders. I stock the floor, and I keep, I do that. And it's like go to this store, go to this store, go to this store, go to this store. And by the time you go to all of them, I leave at nine in the morning, and I came back. And like seven thirty tonight. Seven tonight. So Yeah. But I like it. Good. I like it. It's physically <laughs> exhausting, but I like the driving because it's gives you that downtime in It between. really does. It really does. And, and 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 everybody I spoke to about the job, they're like, Oh, you're gonna hate the driving. I'm like, I don't think I will because I was stuck in a liquor store and you know, it it, it by it, yourself. You couldn't even I, I leave I, and take a break. Like taking a shit is a risk. Yeah. Where I could just be like, I'm gonna go pull in this gas station. Dance for a couple guys. And well, even see if, if I could you, shit. even if you could clock out to take a shit, I mean, you ran the risk of mice falling in your toilet. So uh, thank God to deal with that. Knock on wood. <laughs> I thought birds were the only problem I had till the fucking mouse jumped on the back of my ear. They liked you. Yeah, Stuart Shittle. That's what his fucking name is. <laughs> Good name. <laughs> Dishonorable death. He went right down the toilet. I feel bad. All right. We got to get into this. He was the size of a turd. We'll he be here right all there. night. Please okay. Stop. All right. Sorry. <laughs> For this week's episode, I found an old unsolved family murder of a really strange family in the late 1920s. There's religion and prophesizing and mystical healing and our forte, murder. Your forte. I don't really dig it, but it's okay. And since I just told you it is a family murder, be aware that there are children involved, but we will only be touching on them briefly. Nah, you get, don't take my feelings into it. Hmm? Don't be like, oh, we're not going to do it because Billy hates it. Don't do that. If I thought that, we wouldn't be doing it. Damn. We're doing it. Damn. Okay, fuck. <laughs> so let's see if we can try to make any sense of this 90-year-old mass murder. So, this whole story starts with a man born in Italy named Benedetto Evangelista. He immigrated to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, here in the U.S. Where he was born and raised, and the playground is where he spent most of his days. No. No. He's not the Fresh Prince. Mm-mm. You're wrong. Hanging out and nope. relaxing Mm-mm. outside the nope. school. Nope. Totally different. That was a black guy. A couple of guys. This is a white guy from Italy. Up to no good. Huh. Well, they did start making trouble in his neighborhood. No. Well, he did get in one little fight, and his mom did get scared. She said, you move with your auntie and Uncle Bel No, he didn't live in Bel Air. He said to the cabbie, yo, Holmes, smell you later. No. Prove me wrong. Okay. Let me keep reading. <laughs> okay, hold on. Yeah, so he moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 1904 when he was 19 years old. His older brother, Antonio had already immigrated to the U.S., so Benedetto stayed with him. There were like many other Italian immigrants who traveled to America to try to make a better life for themselves, escaping the poverty of their home country at the time. In order to sound more Americanized, Benedetto changed his name to Benny Evangelist. Unlike the majority of the immigrants who were farmers, Who all thought he should have changed his name to Benny the Jets. Let's, Let's be honest. Uh, this was well before then. 
This is 1929. Okay. Sir. Sir. Sorry. Actually, no, 1904. The murders happened in 1929. Okay. Let's not get ahead of ourselves there. Sorry. Uh, He changed his name, but uh, unlike the majority of the immigrants who were farmers, Benny was a trained carpenter, but he soon began working in real estate. This sounds like a great story of a young man taking life by the horns and creating his own success, right? Well, that's what it's supposed to be. American dream. You know, if you mm-hmm. think it, you do it, you put the work in, you'll get it. Well. <laughs> that's where Erica comes in. Well, well, not well, not, not so much. Two years. You'd be surprised what happens later on. Two years after coming to America, Minnie starts claiming that he is getting daily visions from God. Now, I'm not saying that he isn't getting visions from God, but... Around this age is when the first signs of schizophrenia start to show. So it's just, it's something to think about. Schizophrenia, Latin for God. No. Okay. Mm -mm. Wait, is it Latin for God talk? No. Oh, okay. Is it Latin for Dr. It's not Latin for anything, Billy. Okay. (laughs) Well, Antonio isn't too hip on Benny's claims of godly visions, so he sends him to work on a railroad construction crew in York, Pennsylvania. Which is funny because he's like, oh, he speaks to you, huh? He speaks to me too and he says you're late, so get your fucking ass to work. <laughs> God saith, go to fucking work. <laughs> if I could put on my not G-string and dicky pants and go down to the strip club slash Hardee's slash truck stop slash rest stop slash gas station... He can go work on the fucking railroad. Mm-hmm. That's not too hard to do. You know what's hard? Is try giving somebody the Hot Pocket value pack. <laughs> that's a fucking, that's that's a bunch of fucking work. No, that's not, no, mm-mm, no. We're not going there again, Billy. I never did so Don't many. Don't look so angry. I never did so many push-ups in my life. <laughs> well. They dripped candle wax mm-hmm. on me that smelled like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. Can't do it anymore. Can't laugh anymore. Can't. Can't. Tap out. I can't. <laughs> Goop you, okay? It's so gross. She has a candle that smells like her vagina, and she owns a company that named Goop. Yeah. It doesn't help anything. And I'm wondering, do you think Brad Pitt, if he bought that candle, lit it, and was like, <laughs> oh, god damn, that does. That smells like her fucking vagina. I don't even want to think about it, Billy. You know what she said? I don't care. She was on mushrooms when she came up with the idea. Okay, go. <sighs> so. Vagina candle. Benny's in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to be in clip to this episode. Vagina candle. Why not? Benny meets a man there named Aurelius Angelino. And the two begin to dabble in the occult. They both believe that they could work magic and cast spells which doesn't sound very on par with what we think of when people claim they are getting visions from quote-unquote God. But regardless, Benny started to chronicle the visions he was having and his religious beliefs, which would later be a book that we will discuss in a little while. Now, while Benny's cheese is still slowly sliding off of his cracker, his buddy Aurelius goes full cracker sans cheese in 1919. His cheese made impact with the floor. He took an axe 
and murdered two of his own children. For this, he was sent to an asylum for the criminally insane. It didn't last long, though. He escaped from the asylum in 1923 and was never heard from again. I don't know if that somehow ties into the later events, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah. At some point between Benny receiving visions from God and Aurelius cheese and crackers failure, Benny married a woman named Santina. They began a family and would end up having four children, Angelina, Margaret, Jean, and Mario. It's me, Mario. Those are cute names. Now, I did find in multiple sources that Benny had a son that had died before this, but it wasn't clear if the boy was from Santina or another woman. Anyway, not long after Aurelius was confined to the asylum, Benny uprooted his family and moved to Detroit in Michigan. Robocop. Robocop. That's, that's what Billy goes that's to. That's all you have Robocop. to go. Think about Detroit. Yep. Robocop. <laughs> or 8 Mile or... Robo- oh, oh. Ro- Robocop. Just Robocop? That's Robocop. It. Officer fucking Murphy. If you don't think of Robocop when you think of Detroit, you are damaged. Wow. All right. That's a strong statement. I stand by it 100%. He loves Robocop, in case you guys didn't pick up on that. I love Officer Murphy. (laughs) So he moved his family to Detroit, Michigan, and began working as a carpenter. They moved into a corner house at the intersection of St. Aubin Street and Mack Avenue, which is where the story will ultimately end and why it is referred to as a St. Aubin Street Massacre. Remember that Benny's cheese is still sliding on top of his cracker through all this. Well, once Benny has this home with a large basement he can use, hint, 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 he puts his carpentry skills to use, making a homemade shrine out of chicken wire and wood. Did I ever tell you my chicken wire joke? Maybe. The boy walking down the street? I don't know. You've told me a lot of jokes, Billy. Most of them not good. This is a good joke. You say that about everyone you tell me. This is not a dad joke or punny joke. This is just a good joke. Tell me. All right. So, there's old country road. Little boy's walking down the road, and there's an old man sitting on the porch, with, you know, with like the, the hat, with the straw hanging out of his mouth, rocking in his chair and everything. So, stereotype. Uh, just, you know, hick. Stereotype. My family's hicks. I could say that. Stereotype? Whatever. And <coughs> stereotype. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Say what you want. I'm a male stripper. I'm gonna fuck. <laughs> so he's walking For down other males. He's walking down the street and he's dragging chicken wire with him. And he says, Boy, what you got there? The little boy says, I got chicken wire. He said, What you gonna do with that chicken wire? He said, I'm gonna give me some chicken. He said, Boy, you're crazy. He came back a couple hours later, a bunch of dead chickens wrapped up in chicken wire. Old man said, I'll be damned. Next day, boys walk down the street holding duct tape. He said, boy, what you got there? He said, missa, this here duct tape. He said, what you going to do with that duct tape? He said, I'm going to give me a bunch of ducks. He said, boy, you crazy. Came back a couple hours later, a bunch of dead ducks wrapped up in duct tape. Old man said, I'll be damned. Next day, boys walk down the street holding a stick. He said, boy, what you got there? Boy said, missa, this here's a pussy willow. Old man said, hold on, let me get my hat. I heard that when I was like 13, and I've remembered it ever since. It was pretty funny. It has nothing to do with this. Chicken wire. 
Yeah, made a shrine in his basement out of chicken wire and wood because that's what you do when you get visions and can cast spells and your good friend just killed his kids, right? Right? That's what happens? You know, at this point, I'd be like, you know, we're fucking float your boat, dude. Well, this is when things just totally went left field. Guided by what he called various deities from multiple religions that would only give him visions and speak to him between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m. You know those? Mm-hmm. He filled the basement with wax figures that depicted quote-unquote celestial planets and hung ten large papier-mâché deities from the ceiling with chains. When are we going to start talking about the person that did this and you're going to quit talking about my uncle? In a minute. All right. In the center, he hung a large quote-unquote eye... That would light up from the inside. Like the center of the celestial planet. I don't, I don't fucking. There was an eye and some paper mache dolls and they were hanging in his altar with chicken wire and wood. And yeah, that look you're giving me, that's this whole story. The whole thing. The fuck? So, in the center was this eye that would light up from the inside. And you can actually find a few pictures of the eye and the paper mache dolls and everything here from the ceiling. You find them online. And it's kind of weird. And it's not normal. <laughs> it's odd. And I don't, off and off I don't, I don't care for it. <laughs> not having fun over here, tell you what. He declared himself a divine prophet and spiritual leader and founded a new religion, which he called the Union Federation of America. It's really anticlimactic. It sounds like the name of a bank or something. It sounds like I came home and I'm like, the Union Federation of America denied my loan. Yeah. So now I got to start stripping. It's very, (laughs) very bank-like, Hot Pocket. I totally get it. Now I have to be a male stripper in a female stripping nightclub. No, rest stop. Oh, that comes first? That takes precedence? That it's a rest stop? Comes before strip club? Why the fuck would truckers show up? You're right. Yeah. Oh my god, I knew there was a reason I married you. It's because you're so smart. Or not get a loan. There's a reason. A reason for everything. Hmm. Beep, 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 beep. We're poor. I do. <laughs> Can't wait till you make your first check. Man. Huh. <sighs> I'm still trying to twerk. I can't get it. (laughs) (laughs) We need an ad here. All right, so Benny didn't stop there. He also claimed that he was a mystical healer. He put up a sign outside of his house that read, quote, Great Celestial Planet Exhibition, end quote. And began advertising to sell his quote-unquote magic potions. Does sound fun. And to give psychic readings and provide quote-unquote healing visits for the sick or injured. Now, if you were a member of Patreon, you would know that in Indiana, shit doesn't fly that way. How so? He's a psychic. He's like a fortune teller. You can't. Gotta go get a doctor's approval. We literally no, that's hypnotism. Did. Oh, fuck, you're right. Yeah, that's why I was looking at you confused. That reminds me, did you know the psychics, that psychic building, the building, no, I mean like the, what? The business where the psychic was in, 
Um, MacGyver got tore down. Yeah, you told me. Yeah. Yeah. Did she see that coming? You would think she'd see that coming. Yeah. Stupid ass. Yeah. Starting to die her fucking credentials. But she'd been there for like at least 30 years. Yeah, she was there across. She probably just had to retire. She was probably sitting across (laughs) from me, you know, a while back, you know, and like reading her ball and was like, you need to be a stripper. And I'm like, you sure? Here we are. You went to her? Who else is going to tell me how to live my life? Thought you and only you. <clears throat> no, no, I went to a psychic. <laughs> All right, so Benny would charge ten dollars a visit, which is about the equivalent of one hundred and forty-five bucks today in twenty twenty. Wow, pretty good money. Well, maybe. How many did he get though? If you get one, that's pretty good. But if you don't get any, you got enough. Okay. And strangely, people actually started coming. No one seemed to think that the man with the makeshift altar in his basement that talked to God for three hours in the middle of the night was something concerning. Not at all. I wonder if during that time that was the new thing. Seances and shit Probably. Like that, you know. He started making great sums of money and began actually holding services for his new credit union religion to his followers. Yeah. Union Federation of America Credit Union. You're not alone. I'm not your guy. (laughs) He urged them to interact with paper mache puppets and would perform quote-unquote magic rituals for them. But he would only do all this for people that paid. He claimed that a monetary exchange was required for his magic spells to be successful. Well, yeah. So at this point... I kind of wonder if he really is sane and is just exploiting people for their money, but it just seems like such a crazy setup to try and get people's money when there are far more rational ways to exploit people. There is a word for that. For what? Doing that. It's called shenanigans. Yeah. But if he really believed it, it's not shenanigans. He thinks it's real. Or so that's could, a toss-up. Is like, is he really crazy or is he exploiting people? And, you know, if he was questioned about it, all he'd have to say is, they didn't have to give me any money. They gave me money. I mean, I, it's a service. They don't want me to lick their toes, but you pay me $147, I'm going to lick toes. <laughs> Gross. Maybe he really felt somewhere in his crazy mind that money was the key. Maybe one of his midnight deities told him that or something, but I digress. One of his, one of the gods was like, bitch, you need to get paid. I think we're just giving this to you free of charge. We are, but you should charge. (laughs) You should get something for this. What are you doing? Anyway, he had a small following and he was raking in some serious dough in his off time from his carpentry day job for the next couple of years. This is where all of his writings about his visions and religious beliefs became book one of what he intended to be a four-book set. It was a book of over 200 pages called The Oldest History of the World Discovered by Occult Science in Detroit, Michigan. Very long and boring title. With Robocop. Yeah, that was there too. Officer Murphy's my jam. It was released in 1926 and you can actually find it online and download the PDF. I don't know how many sites have it, 
But I found the free download on a site called uh, globalgraybooks.com. And that's which now is with... all she believes. It's all she believes now. No. I've been trying to talk no. to her for weeks. And I even went so far as to say the main villain, one of the main villains in RoboCop was the dad from that 70s show. And she's like, heretic. And I don't know how to get it through to her. So I just try to twerk. I try to do what I do. Mm-hmm. I do what I know. I don't know how to twerk. No, you don't. <laughs> But this is globalgraybooks.com, and it's with G-R-E-Y, gray. It reads kind of like a Bible, but is very poorly written and edited and convoluted. I'm going to read you a section from the beginning of the book so you can try to get an idea of what is going on in his head. Quote, Before the creation of God, there existed nothing but air and water. You're going to do it in that voice. Yep. Okay. Today we find land, men, animals, etc. Between the air and water there were seven winds, and at that time there also lived fish and serpents. When the winds united, a tempest always arose, and they never agreed, so finally decided to choose a leader who would take command of everything. After this decision was made, they formed a large coach of clouds with the strength of the air and the wind, which they closed well. After ninety days, they opened this coach, and in it found a phenomenon, the aspect of a human being. It had arms, no legs, two large wings on the arms. I already stopped giving a shit. And one on its back. A blonde beard. Wait, an arm on the back? Yeah, one on the back. Okay. A blonde beard, and it was seven times the size of a normal man. I'm starting to wonder if the one on the back was an evolutionary trait because now our backs itch and we can't reach it and it's hell on earth. The phenomenon was so strong and bright, he gave to the air and wind a surprise and gave him a great enthusiasm and was pleased to have their first child. The winds named him God and gave their strength and he began to fly and with the help of the air, his strength multiplied until it was 39 times stronger than all the winds together. Not 40. Not 40, not 38. 39, 39. Billy. Read your shit. God, now I feel dumb. Why am I even a stripper? I, I want to know why there's um, fish and serpents already. But it's supposed to be God and there's air and wind, but... Uh, I thought when wind collides, there's tornadoes and hurricanes and typhoons and shit that's fucking awful. I thought that's what happened when winds collide. Um, you didn't read his book, okay? <laughs> You're right. You're right. I did not. Uh, yeah. You got me on that one. So, yeah. Take God, from, now, I feel, now I feel dumb. Take from this what you will. But it gets even weirder than that. Here's some more that's a little darker. <clears throat> Aital, with his daughter and son, went to his temple and said, quote, What's up, bitches? Oh. <laughs> and said, quote, Trample, I build this temple for the name and power of Balin, and the giants must respect this building for Balin's sake. Stop, the furniture's floating. Stop. Get all your circle members. Not a circle jerk, okay? Just pointing that out. Not a circle jerk. So, no fucking fun. Get all your about. circle members and go into Kaon with your torch and scare all the lazy men. Speaking of scare, you're probably scaring the kids. Probably. Okay. All the lazy men 
and any man Billy fit to work, <laughs> bring him here. And not any, Billy. And any man who is not able to work, burn his face with your torch. Unless he dances for you and his name is Hot Pocket. We must destroy that generation. No. There should be no lazy blood in the world. Talk. You and your men should not disturb the people of Ape. Talk a lot of shit for a guy sitting down writing. The people of Ape. A-P-E, Ape. Yeah, I, you heard it right. Yeah, Ape. But I thought... You must respect them. It gave birth to, to wind. Remember. It gave birth to God or something. Iota helped all, so respect his people. Arm in the back. I am getting old. I am getting tired. I trust the country to you and your sister, Burlant. Who? So th- may, where did this sister come so from? So you may cut all the strings attached to the Kaon generations that cannot regenerate. This is the convoluted thing you were talking we about. We must destroy all the lazy people. Oh, I don't agree with this. End quote. Oh, no, I don't like that at all. All the lazies. All of you. The whole lot of ya. I don't, I don't know. Done with ya. But video games. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dead. So I guess Benny has a thing about lazy people. Just going out on a limb there. Everyone look busy. I understand if you can lean, you Benny's can lean, watching. but at the same time, fuck, dude. But I guess things seem to be going good, I guess, in a really weird way for Benny and the family until early July of 1929. On July 3rd, Benny made a call to a man that was in charge of matters relating to a house that had just been torn down. He told the man that he had made a deal to purchase all of the salvageable lumber from the house and it was going to be delivered to his house the next day, which is when he would pay for his haul. He was going to use it for his carpentry work since he was a carpenter. Or the chicken wire shrine. Like Jesus. Even though he doesn't believe in Jesus, he believes in like winds and arms and chaos and ape and just eye tall and fuck the lazy people. And he doesn't believe in lazy people. That whole thing. That's for sure. All right. So Benny had made this call about getting this lumber. He said, have it delivered here. I'll pay for it the next day. And that call would be the last time anyone would hear from Benny Evangelist. At 1030 a.m. on the next day, July 4th, a business associate of Benny's comes to the house to discuss a real estate deal. He knocks several times, but no one answers the door. He finds the door is unlocked, and he steps inside to check on the family. He finds Benny in his office, sitting in the chair behind his desk. Cool as a cucumber. Benny's hands were crossed on his lap as if in prayer, and his head is on the floor next to his feet. No, he's not. It appeared to have been chopped off with an axe. Somebody fucked up seppuku. Big time. Yeah. Damn it. Several copies of his book surrounded him, along with three framed post-mortem photos of a boy in a coffin. It was later determined that they were pictures of Benny's own son that had passed away previously. The colleague, of course, immediately notified the authorities. The police arrived to search the rest of the house, and they find an even more grim scene. Upstairs, they found Benny's wife, Santina, and 18-month-old Mario in bed, butchered. Santina's head was nearly severed, with only a tiny bit of flesh holding it to her body, and Mario's skull had been crushed. So that was done correctly. If you want to look at it that way? That was the intent. Or they failed. One of the two. (laughs) 
Across the hall, seven-year-old Angelina and five-year-old Margaret each laid in their own twin beds, and four-year-old Jean was laying on the floor between them. All three had been hacked to death with an axe, just like the rest of the family. Since it was 1929, and they did things a little different back then, the house was flooded with police, reporters, and gawkers, like as soon as the news got out, contaminating the whole fucking crime scene. The only kind of evidence that was found was one bloody fingerprint on a doorknob, which would pretty much have to be the murderer since there were no signs that the deceased had moved anywhere else in the house while they were actively bleeding. But it's not like they had an aphis to put it in and compare it to known criminals at the time, so... It was determined that the murders had to have taken place between midnight and 3 a.m., and I assume they figured that time of death based off of stomach contents because I didn't come across exactly how they came up with those times, but it's quite interesting that those hours also happened to be the only hours that Benny claimed he could get his psychic and spiritual visions. How would they have back then? Like, would you look, I mean, like, in all honesty, like... How- uh, stomach contents, that's the only thing I can think of. No, I'm like, just like any other murder scene, like, um, okay, it, like, uh, it's clotted, so it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to look at the rigor mortis and the liver mortis, but ultimately... They have such a wide time frame. If you look at the stomach contents, if you know exactly when they ate last, then yeah, that mm. would be my guess. But I don't know. That was that happened to John Wayne when he died. They looked at stomach contents. He had like a fucking two pound steak in him and carrots. They weren't even like fully digested, so he ate a really good meal and then died and kicked the fucking bucket. That's how you go out. <laughs> stomach full of steak. I want steak. God, I love steak. Well, these murders were front page news. Everyone in Detroit was in an uproar. But when police asked for any of Benny's followers or clients. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Robocop. When Robocop asked. No. When police asked. He. Robocop. Police. Cop. Hit, cop is in the fucking name. He didn't come around in 1929, Billy. It's he Officer wasn't there. Murphy. Murphy wasn't there in 1929. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they'd ask people, hey, get in contact with us, <laughs> let us know what's going on, and they were like, mm, no. Yeah, I was like, did you hear, did you hear the, 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 which is a head? Because they have ears, and it kind of fucks up how it rolls with the nose. And someone behind it going, sorry, sorry. Honor, honor, honor. Many of his neighbors were Italian immigrants as well and were reluctant to speak to the police about their fellow Italian. But when the funeral for the family was held on July 6th, around 3,000 curious residents packed the streets. Well, what's that mean? Did they go to the funeral or did they just stood outside? Like, they had a procession down the street. Oh. And people, like, lined up everywhere. Oh, I gotcha. Nobody okay. wanted to talk to the cops, but they'd sure as hell show up for the funeral. Well, that don't mean nothing. I mean, you know, like, they just probably loved him. Or they were like, hey, there was a murder. Let's go gawk. Oh, I thought she meant like they were paying respect. No, to... they just fucking showed up to watch the shit. What? I, I'm, I'm confused. They're so... like, hey, there's a murder. It's famous. Let's go watch. Oh. 
None of this, yeah. none of this makes sense to me. This is, this is, none of this makes sense. Like, but he's already dead. Do they think the killer's going to show up and be like, look what I did. And point at the hearse. A bunch of people that didn't know him or his family showed up at the funeral to watch the spectacle. So basically what you're saying is that 3,000 people were like, that's the guy they were talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. I get it now. The police actually took one man in for questioning that was attending the procession. They stated he was, quote, acting queerly with excited suspicion, end quote, but he was later cleared and released. There really wasn't much for the authorities to go on to start the investigation besides rumors, since there wasn't any evidence. There weren't many motives for someone or someones to completely decimate a whole family in the middle of the night. And as stated by Wayne County Coroner James Burgess in a local paper, quote, This is the most unusual case. A single perverted maniac must have killed them, although it seems impossible that some of their screams would not be heard, end quote. It's just weird, like, oh, they found a peculiar. This happened in the middle of the night. Really? That's, that's, that's it? How about the fact that they got fucked up? That's what's peculiar to me. Well, and I would argue that point, though. They're... If the axe man had a strong arm, a sharp blade, and knew right where to hit for instant death, he wouldn't have to worry that anyone would be screaming. I think if you have an axe and you're swinging it, you don't have to worry about instant death. One way or another, you'll find it. It would be a fairly silent string of murders. He killed Benny, go upstairs, kill the mom. The 18-month-old would have no clue. I mean, it's Uh, silent. You're just... Coming down with an axe. It's not like the DeFeo family, the Amityville murders, where you hear a shotgun blast go through everybody. That still doesn't make sense to me. They're all laying there like they're sleeping in bed. And, you know, I don't know. All of them were killed. I think with the Amityville thing, I think it's horseshit. No, I'm talking about the actual murders. Yeah. To go from room to room with a shotgun and kill somebody and not a single one has leapt out of their bed to run away. I just think that the whole haunting of Amityville, yeah, not- it's been it's been really made into a cinematic thing. And and granted, they're good movies, but I, I don't think there's any fucking haunting. I think it was just somebody has did something fucking awful, and then yeah, it's being capitalized. Yeah. All right, good talk. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad we see eye to eye. Yeah, I just don't understand why you don't support my stripping. Let's just go ahead. Go ahead. No, my whole point was that that's somebody going through with a fucking shotgun and nobody seemed to move from their bed. So somebody coming through with an axe could totally buy that being a silent killing. Yeah. What might have been heard would be a dog barking. Evidently, the family had what was described in one newspaper as As a a, dog. Quote, shaggy brown mongrel dog, end quote. The fuck does that mean? No dog was found in the house, which meant it could have gotten out on its own at some point, or it was lured out. But no one reported hearing barking. One possible lead did seem like it could have been promising. The fact that Benny had scheduled to have all of the lumber from the house demolition shipped to him the day the bodies were discovered. He was supposed to pay for the lumber, an unknown amount, when it was delivered. But no one ever showed up to try to deliver the lumber. Of course, Benny and the family were already deceased by that time, but how would the delivery man have known that? No lump sums of cash were found in the house, 
which makes it seem plausible that someone involved with the lumber delivery decided to collect early, making the delivery a moot point the next day. Yeah. But no one ever recorded the name of the alleged delivery company that was supposed to arrive, so it was impossible to try to track down who might have been involved. And it begs the question, why kill the whole family? I didn't see in any reports that the house was in disarray or anything had been rifled through, which, to me, sounds like the money was somewhere on the first floor where Benny's body was located. I don't know. I think if you're going to do it, fucking do it. But if it's located on that first floor, it was probably most likely in the very office he was found in. If that's the case, why would the killer or killers need to go upstairs and silently hack the rest of the family to death? What if he came in through the top window? Maybe, but if you can sneak by them quietly, why would you need to? That way, when you get to him, you'd be like, I just killed your whole family. Give me all your money. Or you're next. They chopped his head off. Well, I'm saying. I don't think he would sit there and let them chop his head off. He was still sitting there with his fingers clasped, like in ah, yeah, you're prayer. Right. You're right. Ah, shit. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> No one could confirm that there was actually a bunch of cash in the house the night of the murder to begin with, so it's possible that maybe whoever reported that the supposed transaction was to have taken place was mistaken on the date, maybe, that it was supposed to have happened. It would have been July 4th, after all, which is a very significant national holiday, so someone delivering a load of lumber that day seems unlikely. Hey, guys gotta do a job. The biggest belief of what led to the murders had to do with Benny's religious occultism. One newspaper printed some other items that were found at the house while the crime scene was being examined. Quote, Several pieces of women's undergarments, each tagged with the name of its owner, please point out. Right, were they white? You have to listen to our Patreon episode for that one. <laughs> police point out revealed that the so-called mystic indulged in practices of voodooism or devil worship. Such garments, voodooism has it, can lead to the finding of a missing person when they are properly handled by one versed in the mystic arts of that belief, end quote. Yeah, but voodoo and devil work, that's totally separate. These pieces of undergarments are most likely not specifically related to the murders, mm -hmm. but along with his quote-unquote potions, his claiming to be a mystic healer, his altar, and his book... It was clear that Benny was quite a quote-unquote strange man. I'd love to make a potion. I mean, I'm all for you do you, but when your congregation and the dozens of people that have paid for your quote-unquote mystical services won't even speak to police or vouch for you after you and your whole family have been murdered, something seems a little shady. Yeah. What's that word? Uh, Off-kilter. The occult connection seemed to make sense to a lot of people. It was possible that someone, or a group of someones, had a big fucking problem with Benny's wackadoo preachings and services. <laughs> it could have been that they didn't take kindly to that kind, you know, the ones with makeshift altars with papier-mâché dolls hanging from the ceiling, who had their personal Bibles printed. That kind. You know, like, I'm not, like, I get it. <laughs> like, like it, it's not like... It's one of those things where, yeah, it's like, uh, like uh, when you have your own chicken wire altar and you make your own Bible, 
Uh, I'm going to tell my kids, skip that house on Halloween. Let's go to the next one because he probably has popcorn balls. Go to the next one. They have Jolly Ranchers. You're going to like it. You're going to love it. Well, it's quite possible that these people would have thought killing them would be the best way to deal with the situation. And you got to think about back then because they're like, you're going to go against Jeebus? You can't go against Jeebus with your ratins. You know what I'm saying? Who's Jeebus? Yes. <laughs> or it could have been a disgruntled member of the church. Ah, or someone who had paid Benny for his services, only to find that they didn't really work. <laughs> only to find out that those lucky numbers were not very fucking lucky at all. I mean, what if Benny <clears throat> promised healing for someone, and when it didn't work, a vengeful family member took their revenge? Maybe someone knew that Benny was rolling in the dough by charging $10 a visit for his occult services. Oh, let's speak of it as now. 150 bucks, really. Yeah. And decided to reap some of that income for himself in the most literal of ways. But none of these theories ever really panned out and were generally just rumors and whispers around town. But police did look into some more specific possibilities. The first involves a 42-year-old local man named Umberto Teccio, who was purchasing a house from Benny. He had been to the evangelist's house to make his last payment to Benny the night before the bodies were found. A friend of his named Angelo Depoli had accompanied him that evening. They were both brought in for questioning the next day after the police had searched around the boarding house they both lived in. In a barn behind the boarding house, police found an axe, a quote-unquote keen-edged banana knife, and a pair of work boots that police thought looked suspiciously clean. This was back then. You have work boots. You have an axe. That's that's you chop wood. Fucking, I mean, this didn't happen in the fucking eighties. This is stuff you would probably find. Yeah, they probably found a fucking pitchfork too. You know what I mean? They, they probably there's probably a lot of shit they found there. They're like, oh, this could be a house of madness or a fucking house. It could totally be that too. There's isn't a barn behind the boarding house. Just saying. I'm just saying that if. Somebody down the street is shot, and you come to my house and find that I own a Glock. doesn't mean I fucking did it. Okay. I'm not sticking up for the guy. I'm just speaking reason. Okay. Because if that was the case, we could steal up a lot of fucking murders in <laughs> ten minutes. Oh, this guy owns a hammer. He did it. Well, no. A lot of people fucking own hammers. Well, the two men claim that nothing unusual happened during the visit, and that they had gone out drinking after dropping the payment off, denying any involvement in the murders. That's a good that's a good alibi too. Where were you? Oh, I was drunk as fuck. Then some guy named Hot Pocket came out. It got weird. Many of the locals felt police had found the guilty parties, especially after newspapers claimed that Tecchio had knifed his brother-in-law to death a few months prior during an argument. Okay, well then that's different. That's Even though he okay. was never arrested or charged for anything of the sort. Never mind. Police couldn't connect the two men to the massacre, and they were let go. Another highly suspect person in the murders was Benny's old friend Aurelius Angelino, the man that was also involved in the occult and had killed two of his children with an axe. You remember the great cheese sliding off the cracker incident? Yeah. As I said before, he escaped from the asylum he was placed in, and no one ever claimed to have seen him again. No real motive stands out, but if the man is crazy enough to have been placed in an asylum, 
Maybe any thought in his mind was motive enough for him. Yeah, I mean, it was motive enough in his head to kill his kids. Maybe Benny was the main occultist when they met and had pulled Aurelius into that world. Maybe he blamed Benny for getting him into the mindset that led to him killing two of his children. And let's not forget, he did it with an axe. And there's one more standout suspect by the name of Robert Harris. He was founder of his own cult based in Detroit. What the fuck is going on in Detroit? It's Detroit. See, this shit didn't happen after Robocop hit the fucking scene. There's no fucking cults. There could be cults there right now. You wouldn't know. You don't speak bad on Murphy. I'm not. I'm speaking bad on Detroit. I love Detroit. I go there all the time. Mm-hmm. I've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is a website. I can't remember the name of it. I might have mentioned it before on the podcast. Detroit.com? No, it's a, it's a website. It, you're better off just to Google it. And it puts pictures. It's like a game. And it puts pictures up. It's called Detroit or Russia. And it puts two pictures up. One of them is Detroit and one of them is Russia. And you have to pick... It's not like Florida or Russia? Is there, is that a thing too? I believe so. Fucking A. Yeah, so you try to pick which one. So, Florida, Detroit, or Russia. That should be a new one. Put all three together. You'll crash the internet. That's too much. True. That's too much to put on a person. We've done too much. We've gone too far. <laughs> We were playing. We 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 tried. We to, played a game too big for us. <laughs> we tried to be God, and we can't do it. <laughs> Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. Don't you fucking do it. If somebody could, if they're good with Photoshop, because I can't, I can't. I want some reviews that say Detroit or Russia. I can't even spell Photoshop. But if you could have a picture of Detroit and somewhere, don't do it from the fucking movie. Do you know? Do it yourself. A dilapidated structure. In Detroit, and just put RoboCop in there. It could be RoboCop or the remake. I don't care. I'm easy. You want them to Photoshop RoboCop? Yes. Into real Detroit pictures? Yes. Why? Um, please. Isn't he a real being, Billy? Isn't that what you believe? Shouldn't there already be photos? Okay, everybody go to Detroit with your cameras and see if you can capture them. Like Bigfoot. I don't think it'll in be. In Detroit. I don't think it'll be blurry. I think it'll be perfect. I believe in our listeners. <laughs> you believe in something. I believe in Elaine. I believe in Margaret. They post a lot. I believe in w. Kirsten. I believe in Kirsten. Cooper can fucking do it too. He's good with history. Cooper, please find a picture of Robocop in Detroit. And if you could work to Ed 209 in the photograph too, that would be fucking amazing. And then while you're at it, find Bigfoot <clears throat> in Detroit. Why? It's just going to be a blurry picture. Are you thinking that Bigfoot is blurry all the time? You ever seen a clear picture of him? I've never seen any picture of him. He doesn't exist. Or she. Quit being sexist. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, back to what I was saying. So, this Robert Harris founded his own cult in Detroit. Because evidently that was the thing to do back in the 1920s. And in November of 1932, the body of a man named James J. Smith was found tied to a crudely built altar with a silver knife sticking out of his chest. Well, shit. It was Harris's altar that he was tied to. Harris told police that he hadn't murdered Smith, 
that Smith had been a willing sacrifice and offered himself up to the occult. But it was determined that Smith had been hit in the head with a wagon axle before he was stabbed, which sounded a lot less willing participant than Harris claimed. See, you call that, you you air quote that, I, I air quote convincing. That's how you convince somebody is to hit him with something in the head. Oh, okay. Hey, do you want to be a willing sacrifice to my altar? No. Well, I got a brick that says you want to. (laughs) I got a brick that says you're really down. Once he was arrested, he declared himself a king and said he actually had planned on killing more people, including the mayor of Detroit. And he claimed that he was the axe man that had slaughtered the evangelist family. Police said that the fingerprints at the St. Aubin Street house didn't match Harris, though. But considering the fact that Harris could easily have just worn gloves or just not touched anything in the house, period, Mm -hmm. and the fact that dozens of policemen, reporters, and gawkers had trampled the crime scene, who's to say that evidence incriminating Harris hadn't been there and was missed or contaminated? Yeah. What about that, copper sea? Meh. 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 1920s. What are you going to do? Meh. Twisting my mustache. Al Capone, see? Yeah. Boardwalk Empire is a really good show. The evangelist murders have never been solved. The house at 3587 St. Aubin Street was eventually torn down and still stands as an empty lot. Many locals claim that it is haunted. Oh, fucking of course. Saying that disembodied screams are often heard, and occasionally a headless man can be seen walking the lot before vanishing into thin air. Or it's just a fucking lot. It's just a lot. And my question is, if if, if hauntings are stuff that's... If, 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 if. Yeah, sure. If, If hauntings are stuff that's done in the past... Why don't we see that many Native American ghosts? Didn't we kill all of them all over this whole fucking country? Isn't this whole country built on a Native American fucking burial ground? You haven't seen them? No. You're weird. I'm a male stripper at a... (laughs) What? What? I don't... Everyone else has seen them. I do a Totino Shuffle. Totino shovel? Is yeah. that like the truffle shovel? Yeah, that's that's where I dip my balls in marinara and I teabag somebody when they're asleep. How does that relate to Totino's? Well, I mean, it's like pizza rolls. And I roll my balls over somebody's forehead. No. When they're asleep. Mm-mm. When I no. break in their house. And it's not marinara. Wet footprints. It's just pizza sauce. Wet footprints on their fucking pillows. Nope. I'm like, you've been Totino'd. Nope. And they're like, nope. And they're like, hot, no. they're like hot pocket. And I'm like, maybe, as I'm trying to pull up my pants and I fall down. And then ran off. <laughs> Got another one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> I just got a visual. <laughs> That's the story of St. Albans Street Massacre. If you enjoyed this episode, please. Get on iTunes, <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can leave a rating and a review and give us five stars. Give Hot Pocket five stars. Give somebody five stars. I don't even care at this point. Hot Pocket. Those ratings really help the show by showing potential listeners that people don't totally hate us. It's great. Mm-hmm. Because they don't not like us. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's a few that are not fans. Yeah, we should be sent to death. Or maybe Hot Pocket should visit with his Latino roll and then try to pull up his khakis running out of the fucking building. <laughs> you know what's crazy? If you scratch your balls, Tim, is before marinara burns. Hmm. Let's thank our patrons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a suspect in mind or a theory about this case, please get on social media. And let us hear about it. But don't say it's that guy that held an axe. You know what? Do it. Yeah. Say it was Hot Pocket. <laughs> we are on Facebook and Instagram, Martinis and the Macabre. And we also have a fan page on Facebook called Friends Who Like Martinis and the Macabre. You can also follow us on Twitter at Martini underscore Macabre. And please share our posts and tweets. That's not only the easiest way to help us, but it's totally free. If you want to go a step further and financially support the show... You can make a one-time donation in the amount of your choosing via our PayPal link at the bottom of the homepage on our website, martinisandthemacabre.com. Or you can set up a pledge for monthly donations through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash martinisandthemacabre. Or you can tug a buck watching Hot Pocket. <laughs> Even a $1 pledge gets you access a to... A personal the- lap dance. <laughs> gets you access to our patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show... And for just a few dollars more, you can get some exclusive goodies. Every dollar is hugely appreciated. You guys don't even know. And thank you to all past patrons, and especially to our current patrons, Kirsten Arbalario, Bender, Bonnie, Bridget, Caroline, Chelsea, Christina, Cooper, Donald, Belfast Grace, Heather, Jennifer, Jolene, Kate, Kim, Christy, Kristen, Lady Danger, Marie Maxime, Martha, Molly, Monica, Vanessa, and Veronica, you awesome snuggle bunnies have our undying love. I have a special dance in mind. For? I'm going to call it the uh, garlic butter crust. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to mace you with Pam that's butter flavored. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to dust you with garlic powder. And then I'm going to sit on your face. How? What? How is that pleasurable at all to anyone? How is it not? Pretty questions, pretty questions, comments, or topic suggestions, shoot us an email at martinisandthemacabre at gmail.com, or you can use the contact page on the website. Also on the website, you can find a bio about us, a complete episode catalog that you can binge, and all of the music created by Minimus Noah that we use at the end of each episode, and keep listening because there will be a new one at the end of this episode. And you can also find all of his released music on Spotify and iTunes as well. So please go check it out and give him some love. And even if you don't care for the music, you gotta appreciate, for a fucking teenager, it's good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I was talking to him the other day. I I told him, like, he should actually... And listeners, also let me know. I think he would be very good composing video games. Video games and soundtracks. Like, I I could see him composing the next Silent Hill. For sure. Uh, movie soundtracks, video game soundtracks, he would be the ambient music. Like, it's just amazing. So, that about wraps it up, guys. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, Snuggle Bunnies, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye bye! Bye bye! I love you.
vagina candle. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Mm -hmm. 